Hi, this is Riley Moynes. If you've been listening to our podcast series, you'll know that I'm the one usually asking people to describe how they're squeezing all the juice out of retirement. Today, I'm on the other side of the conversation, responding to questions put to me by my friend and former business partner, Rob McClelland. In his successful financial advisory practice, Rob places a high priority on preparing his clients for retirement, not only financially, but also psychologically. That's a topic dear to my heart, and it's the focus of this episode. I hope you'll enjoy listening to it. I did three interviews with Rob, of which this is the second. If you'd like to hear the others, click on to tmfg.podbean.com. It's the Think Smart series, and look for the episodes on October 3rd and October 17th, 2020. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, we're going to have our special guest, Dr. Riley Moynes, back with us to join Mike and I. This time, we're going to be talking about what Riley has been doing since he left the financial planning practice. I took over his clients, and so... Riley, what have you been doing? (laughs) Well, I guess uh, in retrospect, I have been going through the four phases of retirement. I didn't know what they were at that time, and I wish that I knew then what I know now about it. I started off the way most people do with uh, what I now call phase one. That's the vacation phase. I had my my bucket list, as many people do, of all the things that uh, I wanted to do when I retired, but didn't have the time or the resources uh, while I was working to be able to do. Yeah, I did all that stuff. I played more golf than I'd ever played before. I tried to improve my golf game. My wife and I traveled more than we had before. We bought a vacation property in the U.S. to spend some more time there. Uh, kind of typical things that I've ultimately discovered are are part of phase one, uh, vacation phase. It's just like being on vacation. You do what you want when you want. You go to bed when you want. You get up when you want. It's just kind of like being on vacation. But what I discovered was that like, like anything, uh, too much of a good thing ultimately is too much of a good thing. And believe it or not, I got bored. I assumed, and many, many people that I have that I have interviewed, assume that retirement equals phase one. It's being on vacation. It's all of that kind of stuff. And for a while, it is. So I discovered that for many people, myself included, phase one lasted for a couple of years. It varies from person to person. But I should say, perhaps as as as, as background. When I started this this study, I, I had no idea where it was going. And what prompted me to start the study was phase two. Phase two is the phase that I refer to as being lost and feeling lost. And that followed phase one because, as I say, too much of a good thing can be too much. And I felt that I wasn't doing anything productive. I I felt that I wasn't doing anything that was especially meaningful. Uh, I mean, playing golf is fine, but, you know, there's more to life than golf or whatever activity it it might be. And while we certainly enjoyed our time in Florida, again, it was something that was, it was, 
uh, I didn't really feel that there was much going on that was giving me a lot of satisfaction. And I think I experienced the way many people do uh, what the Mayo Clinic now describes and says that about 40% of people who retire will exhibit aspects of clinical depression. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know that's what it was. I just knew that there was something that wasn't right. I was kind of more irritable than ever. <laughs> Hard to believe. I just, I just kind of felt that I was putting in time, and it really wasn't all that enjoyable. It really wasn't all that meaningful. And I've subsequently discovered that in phase two, there is increased use on the part of many people of uh, prescription drugs, alcohol, depression, as I, as I, as I mentioned, increased levels of, of divorce. Phase two is a phase that virtually everyone goes through, but it's not a phase that you want to spend any more time in than you absolutely have to. I was lucky in that I I realized that something was wrong, and I began to to do some study. I, I looked at you know what what constitutes uh, a successful retirement, and I went to the research, and I discovered that the research almost always assumed that if you have enough money, or if you have your estate plan in place, or if you have enough insurance for this or that, or if you have all of those sort of technical important things in place, that equals a successful retirement. But that simply wasn't the case. And so I began to interview people who I thought looked like they were successful retirees. They seemed to kind of have it all together. And I spent 18 months to two years just talking to people, asking them quite what constitutes a successful retirement. And that's where I really began to kind of see the pattern that was emerging. So for me, phase two kind of triggered, and I'm thankful that it did. It triggered this kind of activity. I wanted to do something meaningful. Research is kind of part of my background, and so I, I applied myself to that kind of research. And really, it led to the book, The Four Phases of Retirement. So when I began to do that research, I was, unbeknownst to me at the time, I was moving into phase three, which is uh, the phase that I call trial and error. And what I'm convinced is that because of the fact that people are living longer, there's a very good chance that many of the boomers, 10,000 of whom are retiring every day in North America and will retire every day in North America for the next 10 to 15 years, there needs to be something that you do because you're going to spend up to a third of your life in retirement. And you do not want to spend a third of your life feeling depressed, phase two. So I began to look at, at uh, uh, initiatives that I could take. And again, they're research-related, so that's where I began my, my research. And what I've discovered subsequently is that people who are trying to get out of phase two, and most people do try to get out of phase two, do so by revisiting some of the things that they used to enjoy doing, some of the things that they did well, some of the things that led to success in, in the past for them. And so it doesn't really matter what it is, but you're doing something that you think might hold some interest for you. So for me, it was the, it was the research, at least that was part of the research. I also explored a concept that, that took me about two years. It was a, a failure, but it was part of phase three, trial and error. It was, it was on the error side. 
but you may be familiar with, some of the, your listeners may be familiar with the first T, which is a youth development program in the U.S., very, very popular and heavily supported by the PGA and by the LPGA and by the Masters Tournament, and, and several professional golfers have contributed $1 million personally to the, the First Tee. It's a wonderful program. There is a First Tee in Montreal. There's a First Tee in Vancouver. There's no First Tee in the Toronto area. Golden Horseshoe, six million people. I thought, hey, there's an opportunity here for a first tee. So I began to explore what was involved in creating a first tee. I actually found a golf course that would have committed itself and its resources for a 15-year period to host the first tee. I thought I was well on on my way. The folks at the first tee in, in Jacksonville, Florida, were excited by the possibility of another first tee. But then I ran into a typical Canadian organization. Uh, you know, we love, we've got Revenue Canada, we've got Hockey Canada, we've got all kinds of Canadas, and there had been created a new entity, Golf Canada. Between the creation of the Montreal and the Vancouver First Tees and my initiatives, And to make a long story short, Golf Canada assured me that they were responsible for youth development golf programs in Canada and that their program was every bit as good, if not better, than the first tee in the U.S. They were delusional, in my opinion, at that time. I continue to believe that they're delusional. But the point was that they were simply not going to allow the creation of another first tee in Canada. The first tee indicated that they were sorry about that. They were enthusiastic about the possibility, but you know they were not going to fight with Golf Canada. And so that initiative came to an end. But that's the kind of thing that's part of phase three. You just need to find something that you think might work and cause you to get some satisfaction. That was one example which, which didn't work. But the, the point is that in phase three, you have to keep looking for those things. And if you don't, there's quite a good possibility that you'll slip back into phase two. And we've already talked a little bit about why you don't want to spend any time in, in phase two. So ultimately, I think what happens is, and what did happen for me, was that I did discover that what I really, really enjoyed was kind of back to my roots. And some of the things that had made me successful, had made me feel good in the past, that was writing and and research, I could apply all this stuff that I had been doing, all these interviews that I had had been doing, and if I could kind of put them all together in a way that made sense, that would be a good thing. And that's really what led, as I say, to the creation of the book itself. And for me, it pushed me into phase four. Phase four is the phase that I believe about half of retirees only. That's a number that's discouragingly small for me, but I believe it's the case based on my research. Only about half of retirees get to phase four where they discover the thing or the things that really, really motivate them, that they can throw themselves into and get tremendous satisfaction from. And there is a whole range of what those things could be, from volunteering to mentoring kids to, you know, whatever it might be, work for nonprofits, all kinds of things that people can do that will give them real satisfaction. And so that's phase four, that's reinvent and and repurpose. And my hope is that by by presenting the book and when people read the book, that they will have a framework that they didn't have before. As I say, I, I wish I knew then what I know now about this framework. It would have made so much more sense for me. 
So for people who are not yet retired, I think the book provides them a bit of a heads up as to what they can expect. And for people who are retired, it can help them to understand some of the predictable changes and challenges that they will almost inevitably face in retirement. So the book has uh, been really well received. We've now got up over 15,000 sales in North America, sorry, in North America, yeah, mostly in Canada, but, but some in the U.S. as well. I've just been forced to have another reprint, which is a nice problem to have. So people are enjoying it, it seems, and I'm getting some really nice feedback from people who say that it was helpful to them, and that's very gratifying. Interesting, interesting. You, you know, Riley, we're, I was listening to your first, first podcast you did with us, and you talked about your career, mm-hmm. and you said along the way you got to the top of a ladder, and you realized the ladder was against <laughs> the wrong building. Is phase one similar to that? You go through and you get your, I'm sure you had your golf candy handicap down to single digits, and <laughs> <laughs> everything was going well, yeah, and yeah. then you look down, and your your ladder's against the wrong building, is it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting analogy, Mike. I think it could be the what people almost always discover at some point in phase one is is that all there is yeah they come into retirement thinking that's what retirement looks like and almost inevitably within a year or two they really start to, like is that all there is and so it's, it's really the same concept you know we all have that the... dream of the freedom 55 exactly running along a beach exactly and that was what most people picture their retirees being yep. running down a beach yep. going in a sailing boat phase one playing golf every day yep. and that's everyone's dream yep. and it's funny from dealing with clients over years exactly what you say that's a that's the honeymoon stage of retirement yeah and yeah, yeah. It's ama- it doesn't doesn't last forever. It does not. It does not. There's an interesting study done by the Harvard School of Business, and it was a longitudinal study that they conducted over a 20-year period involving 15,000 graduates of the Harvard Business School, and it was a tome, as you can imagine, uh, being a report by that by that organization. But one of the key findings was that they, they said that the unhappiest retirees of all had not gone on to do anything except please themselves. The unhappiest retirees of all had not gone on to do anything beyond pleasing themselves. That's phase one. That's phase one. Can't stay there. And you certainly don't want to stay in phase two any longer than necessary. And you kick it around in phase three, and if you're lucky, you break through to phase four. So what I'd like to do, Riley, would you would you be able to come back? Because I know you've moved into a whole new thing where you're you're doing these podcasts mm-hmm. and, and you've started doing some work with us um, with our, our 10,000 day program. And would you be willing to, to come back for a, love another to. visit? Love to, love to, love to. So that's good for today. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy.